Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for November 17th, 2017. Double podcast day for Matt and I. Recorded the football one earlier, and now I've got the basketball for Friday. So 11 games on the slate, and as of right now, not really a ton of value. It doesn't look like we have any key injury news. Obviously, that is subject to change at any point in time. But the first game on the slate is the Miami Heat at the Washington Wizards. And, I mean, this is just kind of a whatever game starting for me. The the Heat players, it's kind of weird. I think everybody's more expensive for the Heat this game than when they played the Wizards the other day, even though the Heat are on the road. And then for the Wizards, John Wall's price has gone up a little bit from 8700 to 9200 So I think that, I guess he's a usable GPP play. Nobody else that I really look at as a crazy good play. Let me look at what Markeith Morris's minutes have been. Yeah, Morris still, like, they say his minutes aren't restricted, but his last few games, uh, oh, he got ejected last game, actually. Uh, but it was with five minutes left. Either way, so, okay, so Marquise Morris, 22 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 17 minutes. Even though they say his minutes aren't restricted, those are pretty restricted minutes. That's not that's not a lot of playing time. So 4,600 for him. I mean, I think there's upside there if he's going to play upwards of 30 minutes, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So overall, fairly uninteresting game. Yeah, I agree. It does look like every player's price has gone up, which is, it makes sense for the Wizards now that they're at home, but it doesn't make sense for the Heat. The one player whose price I think has gone down, though, is Otto Porter. He's at 6200 and he was, yeah, he was up above 7000 two weeks ago. He was... He was also shooting 70% from the field back. Yeah, I think maybe his price got a bit inflated, uh, but, but now that he's back down to a more reasonable number, I think... He's usable, but overall, yeah, I think most of these players are just priced very fairly. Even Porter would be a bit of a reach, so on an 11-game slate, that's probably not even someone to consider. I guess if you're building a lineup and you have exactly 6,200 left, I don't think Porter's a bad play, but I, I think this is a low-interest game for both of us. I think that is I think that is fair. Uh, the other thing also is there are a lot of games on the slate that we literally just saw being played. The uh, Wizards, Miami was one of them. Detroit and Indiana, these teams played really recently also. I'm pretty sure. Let me check the game logs. At least I think I remember them playing recently. No, uh, oh yeah, they played They played last week also. So these teams played last week. Andre Drummond at 8,900. He's fine as GPP play. He's been really good this year. Other than that, uh, let's see. We've got, I think, Reggie Jackson. That's a pretty fair price. Another thing also is Reggie Jackson's kind of been losing some fourth quarter minutes to Ish Smith recently. So that's looking like a really difficult-to-predict situation like it was last year. So Andre Drummond, I think, works as kind of like a mediocre GPP play, nothing crazy there. And then from the Indiana side of the game, still a lot of really fair pricing. Miles Turner's been a little underwhelming. I expect him to have a really big year, but the usage just hasn't been there. If you look at his shot attempts last few games, 8 shots, 11 shots, 11 shots, 8 shots. And his usage rating is actually under 20%. I just figured that he was going to be somebody who they were going to really lean on heavily this year. And it just hasn't happened. So, still really not a lot of interest in the Indiana side of this game for me either. And also a slightly down-paced game for them. Yeah, very fair pricing here too. I guess Turner and Drummond are probably both in play. Maybe you're betting on one getting the other into foul trouble. And then it becomes a much easier matchup for whoever's on the court. Maybe you're betting on a Turner breakout game here. Uh, if, if Drummond does get into foul trouble, then it just becomes a really strong spot for Miles Turner. So that's uh, definitely a flyer, not a very strong pick. And I don't think either of us will probably end up rostering anyone from either of these teams either. 
All right, here's what should be a really, really high-scoring game. Clippers at the Cavs. Obviously, the Cavs' defense has been terrible this year. We have Patrick Beverly has been ruled out again. So Lou Williams at 6,600. His price has gone up, but I'm still fine with using him at 6,600. In three games without Beverly, he's gone for 49 fantasy points, 23 fantasy points, and 60 fantasy points. So a ton of upside in Lou Williams, even at the 6,600 price tag. I think Blake Griffin's fine at 8,800. This seems like a favorable matchup for him. I feel the same way also about DeAndre Jordan at 6,800. He really hasn't been great this year. But still, I think this is a matchup that he could do some damage in. And then we've got other guys who are playing extra minutes for the Clippers, like Cinderius Thornwell and Juwan Evans, who are min-price. They've been playing some minutes, except they're really doing nothing with them. Both of them are scoring around like 10 fantasy points per game. So not guys that I want to roster. From the Cavs side of the game, this is another... I mean, every game is basically a strong spot for LeBron at this point. For whatever reason, the Cavs are not playing Kevin Love consistent big minutes. So there's just nobody else to really take a lot of shots for the Cavs other than LeBron, who's been one of the highest scorers in basketball this year for fantasy purposes. He's been pretty consistently like 55-plus DraftKings points. So I think that he's a strong guy to pay up for at 11200 Kevin Love's price really hasn't gone down. So it's 7600 uh, yeah, sure, I guess he's usable for GPPs, but you can't use him in cash games. Too much risk there. And then the other Cavs peripheral guys, like, uh, let's see, Derek Rose's questionable, J.R. Smith, Dwayne Wade. None of those guys I really think are all that interesting as plays. Yeah, I was thinking initially that this would be a pretty stackable game, but it really is just LeBron from Cleveland. So maybe if you want to go with a mini stack where you use LeBron with either Blake Griffin or DeAndre Jordan, Lou Williams, and then maybe one fringe cheap Clippers guy. So it's kind of just four players there. I think that that's doable. But you're, there, there aren't really a lot of opportunities for a full-on stack just because the Cavs have so few guys that are worth considering. All right, next game, we have Knicks at Raptors. Uh, for the Knicks, Kristaps Porzingis, 9,000. There's one of the things, I mean, there's just so much fair pricing without any injuries. Like, I just look at all these guys, like, yeah, I I guess, but whatever. Uh, So from the Knicks, Porzingis, 9,000. Canner, 60. Like, there's just nobody who stands out as somebody who I really want to roster. From the Toronto side of the game, we have, I want to see, what is... So, OG1 Kenobi, 3,800 now. If he's going to start again without a minutes restriction, I'm cool with rostering him. I'm going to assume that he doesn't have a minutes restriction for this game because he did start last game. They said his minutes were going to be a, really, a little restricted because it was the first back-to-back game that he had played uh, significant minutes in. And they were way more restricted than I thought he did. He played 30 minutes the night before, and I thought, oh, okay, so restricted minutes. That probably means, what, he plays like 25? I'm fine with that. He ended up playing... 13 minutes, I think. Is that correct? Uh, 14 minutes. So he played 30 minutes and went all the way down to 14 minutes. So that ended up being a dud of a game. If he's going to start and be unrestricted, I think he's fine at 3,800. Uh, I think Fred Van Fleet, there's a little bit of value in him just because DeLon Wright uh, suffered what's supposedly a fairly significant shoulder injury and he's expected to miss a lot of time. So that means that Van Fleet is going to step into the backup role. He's not like some crazy value or anything like that. Except just the idea that he's min-price and could play somewhere from 20 to 25 minutes. Probably has a pretty decent chance of paying off his uh, price tag. He plays 14 minutes for the year and averages 11 DraftKings points per game. 
So even if we say that he's going to play 21 minutes, that would have him at like 16 to 17 fantasy points in a neutral matchup, which has him paying off his salary, so there's some value there. Other than that, like Lowry and DeRozan are in play. I wouldn't roster them together, but individually, I think they're both fine plays. So with DeLon Wright out, do you think that's a boost to the minutes of either Lowry or DeRozan or both, or do you think all those minutes just get directly transferred to Van Vliet and then Lowry and DeRozan kind of just play their normal rotation as if everyone was healthy? Well, Dylan Wright was only playing about 15 minutes per game, so I just think it's a few extra minutes for Van Fleet, and then nothing else really changes. All right, so I definitely like Van Vliet in that backup role. Even at 20 minutes or so, Min Price is just, he's he's going to have the ball in his hands as the point guard on the second unit, so that's a good play. Yeah, how do you actually say OG's last name? Because I have no clue how to pronounce that. I think it's on, on it's, it is too many ends in it, I always get it wrong. <laughs> it's supposed to be on and Nobi. Okay. I just call, I'm just calling him OG1 Kenobi now. Though. Okay, well, I'll just call him OG, and I think he's a good play also, even though he put up a huge dud in his last game. For GPPs, he probably ends up having much lower ownership, considering he only put up seven fantasy points. Last time out, he's more expensive. I think a lot of people who rostered him, and I think a lot of people did roster him, he was fairly chalky. I think a lot of those people will be scared off. So that's that's a pretty solid play, unless we hear something about a minutes restriction. And and then, yeah, the, the pricing on the Knicks is just really fair. So there's some interest for the Toronto side, but probably none for the Knicks. All right, so Utah at Brooklyn. There is potential for some value here. Ricky Rubio is questionable with an Achilles injury. Uh, I don't know how long this injury has been bothering him, but given some of his recent performance, I would guess that this could have been kind of like a lingering, ongoing injury, and that could explain some of the just total shit games from him recently. If he can't play, Donovan Mitchell is going to be running the point guard, and he might play upwards of 40 minutes. Rodney Hood's going to be playing extra minutes. Uh, boy, it, it is tough to roster Rodney Hood in cash games, but he would he would be a really strong value play if, if Rubio's out, because Hood's going to be in the starting lineup, and he's going to have to play a ton of minutes. The question is with Rodney Hood is, can he play the game from start to finish? He left something like 20% of the Jazz's game last year's early due to injuries. Uh, and all different kinds of things. He has stomach issues, and that's caused him to leave games early. He gets a lot of cramp issues. He pulls muscles. So Rodney Hood is very risky for cash games, but there's going to be a lot of value on his price tag if Ricky Rubio is out, and I think there's a pretty good chance that Rubio sits because, like I was saying before, I think this has probably been a lingering injury that's contributed to his bad performance. And then uh, Alec Burks at 3,200. He's probably going to get extra run if Rubio's out. He would make sense as a play. From the net side of the game, we have D'Angelo Russell is out again. And let's see. So Devin Booker's 4,500. If he starts again, he played, I think he played over 30 minutes in the Nets last game. Uh, no, 28 minutes in the Nets last game. So if he starts, we could expect him to play somewhere around 28 minutes again. I would be fine with him. I probably wouldn't want to roster him if he comes off the bench. And Spencer Dinwiddie at 5,500. I think he's an okay passable play, except not somebody who I'd be like super thrilled about rostering at 5,500. Well, it does seem like there's a lot of marginal Nets guys, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson too, where just because the matchup is now better without Gobert playing and possibly even a little bit better without Rubio playing, maybe the, the Utah defense has gotten bad enough where those fringe Nets plays are just strong enough to use. But either way, if Trevor Booker's starting, I don't care about the matchup, that's... 4500 for Booker in the starting lineup if he's playing 25 to 30 minutes. That's definitely a good value. Uh, so he's the one that I would be sold on, assuming he's starting. Those other guys, though, warrant some consideration. And then Rodney Hood, 
Uh, I'll mention this. My brother's nickname for him is Rodney Good, which I think is just really clever because it rhymes and he's good. The reason is because he's good at shooting. Uh, so if you want to roster Rodney Good for GPPs, I think I agree with that also. All right, I think I'm less inclined to roster him now. That's my <laughs> that's my takeaway. Even though he's good, you don't like him. And you don't like him more because of that. Nope, slightly less. Okay, that's weird. All right, so Oklahoma City Thunder at the San Antonio Spurs is the next game. This is how good that I I, I attribute a lot of this to Popovich. The Thunder team is so loaded this year, and they're one of the I wouldn't say one of the favorites to win the Western Conference because there's only one favorite to win the Western Conference, but I'd say they're one of the favorites to end up playing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, and they're playing the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard, and this game is set at just to pick them even point spread. So from the Thunder side of the game, we have Steven Adams is once again questionable to play. If he's out, Zakari Johnson probably starts, but he hasn't been getting a lot of minutes, so I don't think that he's really all that interesting. Jeremy Grant at 4,300. He would kind of be a fringy-type play. He's actually been playing like 35-plus minutes in the games that Adams has been out. I think that Russell Westbrook at 10,300 is a really interesting play. Westbrook has not been good really at all this year, and a lot of it's just because of slightly lesser role in the offense with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony there. Before, it was Russell Westbrook doing everything, and now there's other people to do things, so it's not all on Westbrook. But 10,300... It's such a cheap price for Westbrook's upside, which I refuse to believe doesn't exist anymore. I know that he's been scoring like 40 to 50 fantasy points every game this year, but he's also shooting 41% from the field. He's shooting 68% from the free throw line. Those are numbers that are going to come up. And I, I think that he does still have like the 60-plus fantasy upside. So 10,300, I think he makes sense to use in GPPs. From the Spurs side of the game, See, what is the price on LaMarcus Aldridge as my page loads? Aldridge at 8,000. I think he's a solid play. He's averaging over 40 fantasy points per game this year, and a lot of that has to do with uh, Kawhi Leonard being out. Just Aldridge, massive usage rating this year. And then outside of that, what is Patty Mills at now? Patty Mills at 4,400. Price finally cracked 4,000. Yeah, his price went up. Yep, he's finally above 4,000. 4,400. I still think he's usable. I don't think he's the crazy good play he was when he was under 4,000, but still decent for him. And then nobody else really stands out to me as a spectacular play here. So if Steven Adams doesn't play, how much of a boost do you think that is for LaMarcus Aldridge? Because I agree with you, he's a good play anyway, but does that really have much of an impact? No. Also, uh, I mean, Aldridge starts a power forward and Gasol plays at center, so Adams wouldn't really be guarding him much anyway. I guess it could be a boost for Gasol. Let's check his price. Real, hey, He's at 6100 Yeah, that's not really that intriguing of a price. On Westbrook, though, I agree with you that he's a good GPP play. I also think he'll be really low-owned. You don't usually see high ownership on guys playing in San Antonio. It's an 11-game slate. So if you happen to gamble on Westbrook and he does do well— I'm going to guess that there are very few people who will be coming along for the ride there. I think if you use Westbrook and he has a has a really good game, you'll be one of the only people that predicted that. Yeah, I'm going to assume a lot of people pay up for LeBron on this slate. That's that's where I, that's where I think people are going to go to pay up. They're really as uh, let's see. And we also, of course, have the Pelicans guys, which we'll get to because yeah, even with 11 games on the too. slate, there aren't really that many guys to pay up for. Yeah, not really. There's there's only a handful. There's four or five or so. So maybe Westbrook's ownership isn't that low, but I do think because of that, LeBron's ownership will be very high. All right, so next game on the slate is the Charlotte Hornets at the Chicago Bulls. 
Uh, there is one pretty interesting play here, and that's Nicholas Batum on the Hornets. Uh, so the Hornets, it's the last game that Batum was going to play. I think it was, what, 20 to 24 minutes? And nope, screw that. Nick Batum, 32 minutes, unrestricted against the Cavs. If I knew he was going to play 32 minutes, he probably would have been all my lineups the other day. Uh, but since he wasn't supposed to play that many minutes, I didn't roster him. But now his price has gone up to 6000 but still, he was priced. Let's see, where was he last year? Yeah, Batum was a guy who was pretty regularly over 7000 So him with basically no minutes restriction at 6000 really strong play for me. And then Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, he finally was unrestricted, played 31 minutes last game. So he is at 4200 I think that he makes sense as a play. From the Bulls, the Bulls are just such a shit team. It's it's so hard to look at any of the Bulls players and think they're strong plays, just because the minutes go up and down every game, and just most of these guys are not good players. So I'm fine with not rostering any Bulls. Well, I think Denzel Valentine is worth gambling on because he's really cheap and he's been pretty productive when he gets the minutes. So you definitely would be gambling on him getting minutes because it's we were talking about before we started how random his playing time seems to be. Um, so maybe that's a decent GPP flyer. And yeah, Nick Batum, that was kind of frustrating that he just didn't have the minutes restriction last game. But I think he just played so well in the first quarter. I think six minutes into the game, Batum had more fantasy points than the rest of the Hornets starters combined. And I know the Hornets aren't looking at fantasy points to decide if Batum should get playing time, but it's definitely an indication that he was involved and he looked fine physically. So they they just let him play longer. Um yeah, I'm not worried about minutes restrictions for him at all anymore, so that's 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 a pretty solid play. All right, so next game on the slate, Minnesota Timberwolves at the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, nothing really stands out as like a crazy good play. I think like Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, and Carl Anthony Towns are all rosterable. None of them like really strong plays at all. From the Dallas side of the game, there is one really strong play, and that is Dennis Smith Jr. Still only 6000 I'm pretty surprised this price hasn't gone up more. Minnesota has been one of the weaker defensive teams in the league this year, and Dennis Smith has just been playing really, really well recently, and his ownership's been pretty high, which usually factors into the pricing a little bit. But last few games for Dennis Smith, 45 fantasy points, 46 fantasy points, 30 fantasy points, 37 fantasy points. And also, he was playing pretty regularly in the 20 minutes, and in the last four games, he's gone over 30 in all of them. So that's a lot of the reason for the uptick in production. He's one of my favorite plays on the slate at 6000 Yeah, definitely agree with that. I'm not sure why the price is so low. That's a bit strange. But all of the Mavericks are intriguing. So it's a pace down game for Minnesota. They usually play at one of the faster tempos. They play bad defense. Um, so playing in Dallas, that that's a slow team that I guess plays okay defense. And the Wolves' prices have gone up. They've had a couple strong games where several of their starters have played well. But the Dallas side, I think there's there's a lot of guys, not just Smith, but Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews, still fairly cheap. Those guys have kind of just outscored what their price is. They've hit value more often than not. Um, and in a pace-up game against a bad defense, I think most of them are usable. But Smith is definitely my favorite one of the group. Uh, yeah, looking at... Yeah, I mean, there's other guys like Wes Matthews has been playing a lot of minutes. He's been up and down, but I think he's... It is weird how many minutes they'll let him play. Like, Wes Matthews will play, like, 40 minutes some games, and he's just, like, a really weird player to play that many minutes. Uh, but the next game on the slate, Portland Trailblazers at the Sacramento Kings. I know that the point spread is only seven points for this game. The Kings seem to get just destroyed almost every single night. It is so hard to trust rostering any players against them because as bad as they are, most of these games are over by halftime. They lost by... 
how many points did they lose to the Hawks by the other night? And that is a ridiculous team to lose by. I think it was by. 45 points. <laughs> that, is, that is a ridiculous team to lose by that many points to. The, the one guy who I do think has I have marginal interest in from the Kings side of the game is George Hill again. I talked about him in the uh, other game going into it about how him saying he needed to try a little harder. And he scored 23 fantasy points in 26 minutes. His minutes were cut a little bit because of the blowout. So if this game does happen to stay close, I think George Hill at 4,000, he's worth looking at for GPPs. Other than that, nobody on the Kings. From the Portland side of the game, I guess you could roster Lillard, Nurkic, or McCollum as like one-offs in GPP, but certainly not in cash games because there's just way too much blowout risk in every single Kings game. I don't think there's that much blowout risk here. Also, you have to remember the Kings just beat the Thunder at home, so it's not like they're not capable of hanging in a game against a good team at home. And the Blazers no, also— I, I, know, I know they're capable, except they've lost half their games now by at least 18 points. Right, so I guess— it isn't good to be playing with such a high variance where you either play close and win or just lose by a ton. That like probably if you doesn't... knew that, so let's let's say that fifty percent of their games, the starters aren't playing the fourth quarter. What what are the odds of somebody's hitting value as is, and then you have to cut it in half just because there's a ha- half the games are just players don't play in the second half yeah. because the Kings are that bad. I guess. I'm also not fully buying into the Kings being that high variance of a team. It kind of makes sense, though, with a lot of young players that you'd have some duds and you'd have some strong games where things kind of They don't play the young players, though. <laughs> well, that's also true. So I don't know why there would be so much inherent variance in the way that they play. Because let's, well, say, bad. let's say that they have a 55 or 60% chance to cover the 7.5-point spread, but most of the probability when they don't cover is that they'll lose by 30 points. That's just a really weird statistical quirk that I wouldn't expect to continue. Like, I think if, you, if you're if you saying the spread's too low here, the Kings probably will lose the game by around 10 points, not 30. So, I'm, I don't know. I'm not personally too worried about the blowout risk. It is a low total game anyway at 199. Um, I'm not scared off using George Hill, although, yeah, I, I, I don't think it makes too much sense to use him in cash. But for the Blazers guys, there's some blowout risk, but... Someone like Nurkic, well, I guess you can't really roster him in cash anyway because of the way he plays. Um, but stacking the game isn't isn't the worst idea just because I think people will be scared for a blowout there, and I, I think that the public is overestimating the blowout risk. All right, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think that the Kings have a very large chance of being blown Greg out. Greg and I will have to make a— show up, uh, They really don't show up. We're going to have to make a side bet here on something where we uh, figure out what the— what the agreed-upon point spread should be or some sort of probability. Well, it's, not, it's not even about the point spread. It's just that I think that there's a fairly high chance of them losing you, by a lot of points. You know what we're going to need? We're going to need the Kings and Blazers to play each other 10 times, and we're going to have to bet how many times the Kings lose by more than 20. I think that, that that would be the only situation where we can make this work. Have they played each other once this year? I don't know. Let's see. I feel like they have, but I'm not positive. Have the Kings and Blazers played this season. Let's look at the schedule. Portland, they have not yet played. So we have we have so, no evidence no, yet. Nope, no evidence. All right, next game. Oh, so there could be a lot. There could be a really strong value play because of some news we got right before we started. Next game is the Phoenix Suns at the Los Angeles Lakers. Greg Monroe is 4,100. He's starting at center for the Suns tonight. Assuming that he starts and he plays like 25-plus minutes or whatever it is that the Suns decide to do with him, him at 4,100, 
is a crazy good play against the Lakers because Greg Monroe is a really, really good DFS producer. Last year, he averaged 26 DraftKings points per game in only 22 minutes. He scores well over a point per minute. So if we're going to have him in a plus matchup against the Lakers at 26 minutes, like then we could say that he's probably going to score on average over 30 fantasy points in that game at 4,100. That's a really, really strong play. Tyler Eulis at 4,200. I think he's a decent play. Uh, Ty Warren, it's a TJ Warren at 6,500. That's a decent play. Uh, there's a lot of good plays, I think, on the Phoenix side of the game. And then for the Lakers, let's see what their pricing is. I think Jordan Clarkson is mildly interesting at 5,100 as a GPP play just because he's been taking a lot of Lonzo Ball's minutes recently. Lonzo Ball's been just not good at all, and they've just been giving Clarkson more of the minutes. So the question is, is that going to continue? Like, eventually you have to think they're going to let Lonzo Ball play more minutes. So Clarkson, not for cash games, but for GPP, I think he makes sense. Well, there are some games where Lonzo Ball plays well, so I guess you could gamble on getting Lonzo Ball at his lowest point. I think this probably is the most his value has soured this year. Except his price is up. He was 6000 before, and now he's he was in the 6000s, and now he's gone up above 7000 yeah, the only argument to be made in favor of Lonzo Ball for GPPs is that he'll be low-owned. But maybe not even that much, because everyone loves Lonzo Ball for some reason. So I, I definitely prefer Clarkson to him. He's the better player, he's way cheaper, and he probably will produce more. Um, for Greg Monroe, yeah, I definitely agree there. And then, oh, I, I remembered who it was. I could not think of the player I wanted to mention here. But Brooke Lopez got murdered by Joel Embiid last game. His price has also kind of stayed the same, but Lopez has had a few monster games. When he gets the minutes, he's a tremendous value, but sometimes he just doesn't get the minutes. So is this the game to bet on Lopez actually getting his playing time? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's 11-game slate, so I just don't think you have to take that risk. Like, I just think there's going to be value option, better value options, and people who I'm more confident with are definitely going to get the minutes. So I'm not going to say the upside isn't there. But for an 11-game slate, I don't think you need to roll the dice on him. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's just, it seems like we're never on the right side of Brook Lopez where he has a good game and then it's like, okay, Brook Lopez is going to start getting minutes now. And then he just, he goes another five or six games without minutes. And then randomly, he'll just play 30 or 35 minutes. I, I guess it wasn't really that random that we should have known that in the revenge game against Brooklyn, they would have given him more usage and more playing time. Uh, so maybe when they play the Nets next time, that'll be that'll be when we go back to Brook Lopez. Yeah, it's just been really hard to figure his minutes because they've been all over the place. So I think for this late, especially if Monroe starts again, like there's just so much value on Monroe, and you can only roster one center on DraftKings. So I, it just makes less less room for Lopez. And then also somebody who I really like in the final game on the slate, we have the New Orleans Pelicans, the Denver Nuggets. So we have DeMarcus Cousins. His price has gone down a little bit, and as has Anthony Davis. Well, they're down to 10200 I think he's a pretty solid play, 10200 And then for Denver, Nikola Jokic at 8100 I don't really understand how he's gone down that much because it's way cheaper than he's been at any other point in the year, and he's played pretty well this year. So Jokic, another one, one of my uh, play who I'm going to have a ton of exposure to. Yeah, the concern with Jokic, which I mentioned before we started, is that guarding either Anthony Davis or DeMarcus Cousins raises his foul trouble risk. But there's so much upside there. I think that that's a really strong play. I I don't understand why Jokic's price has dropped. Um, he had a bad game 
where I think he shot two for nine or something that was like three or four days ago. And maybe that's just been factored into his price really heavily. Other than that, though, he's been really good this year. So that's just, that's odd. I think we can definitely take advantage of that depressed price. Okay, so that will finish today's podcast. That'll finish the podcast for this week. We'll be back on, let me see. There have been some really weird NBA slates recently. So I'm going to see if Monday, yes, we'll be back with Monday. I don't understand like two weeks ago on Monday there was a there was a Monday with one game and now there's just all of the games there's like 45 basketball games this Monday so we'll record a podcast Sunday nights be on Monday you can follow me on Twitter at G Aaronberg DFS and Matt's Twitter handles at preaching sense hopefully everybody has a good weekend